Hello and welcome to the Soul Powered Portal, your portal for all things soul alignment. The reason you would want to align with your soul's path is to unlock all of the prosperity, the abundance, the wealth, the connections, the fulfillment, and the relationships that are your birthright. Each and every episode is infused with the energy and intention to help you create just that, a life that you love. If you have ever asked yourself, why am I here on this earth? What is my purpose? How can I make money doing what I love? And how can I create relationships and connections that are actually fulfilling to me? If you've ever asked yourself any of those questions, then you are in the right place. We are diving deep today and in each episode to help you create your soul-powered life because I believe that when you learn how to do that, truly anything is possible for you. Let's get started. All right, guys, before we dive into today's episode, I have a very exciting announcement. I am going to be hosting a masterclass called How to Rise to Riches Using the Align Method. The Align Method is my proven five-step process, trademark pending, that's going to help you to figure out exactly what it is that's holding you back from achieving your financial goals, exactly how to let it go, exactly how to set proper goals so that you actually will achieve them, and then how to normalize and stabilize this new level of success so you don't self-sabotage it. Okay, so all of the things are going down in this training. So mark your calendars. This is the only time I'm going to be teaching this live. So you definitely want to be there. It's going to be Tuesday, March 22nd at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so mark your calendars. The details are in the show notes below, and I will see you there. All right, guys, welcome back to the Soul Powered Portal. I have a very exciting guest here for you today. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. So welcome, Makosi, aka the Royal Shaman. How are you? Fan-freaking-tastic and so excited, so lit up to be here with you today. Oh, likewise. It's an honor to have you here. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and a lot of my listeners know we've talked about some certain concepts and things in the past that you have shared with me. And as they know now, I have been working with you over the last five months, and oh, I'm so excited to dive into some of this because we've already shared some of the transformations, and I know this is just going to be a next-level conversation. So before we even dive in, let's just talk about... um, So, so the listeners who don't necessarily understand the work of a shaman, can you just dive into what is a shaman and what is it that you do in the world? Yeah. So the word shaman, number one, we have to be really, really clear that the word shaman specifically comes from Siberia and is speaking to a specific type of healer from that culture, but we have come to utilize it to mean, um, a, let's call them a bridge archetype being who can be expressed from, let's say, a whole myriad of um, different gifting. So I perceive 
that a shaman is a bridge between the physical and the non-physical realms, but specifically is able to um, identify root causes of issues, um, identify how to actually resolve those issues, and comes with a specific type of calling to utilize that gifting in this life. And so for some of us, um, maybe we are using plant medicine as, as our medicine. Others maybe are using water, maybe some are fire, so on and so forth. Uh, my medicine is specifically what you would call ether or spirit or energy, where mm, my gifting really is just seeing what is not easily visible, seeing where things connect, being able to um, get insights into what are the core patterns and how can, for me, my high achieving, high performing, entrepreneurial, visionary clients actually expand their capacity into alignment in this world. So we use shaman and typically most people will associate it with plant medicine because that is the most common type of shaman. Um, but there are quite a few different types and styles that um, end up manifesting through an individual. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that, you know, many of my friends have experienced plant medicine and, you know, so they probably heard that term from, from there before. So, and I know firsthand that <laughs> you're gifting of allowing the invisible to become visible um, is spot on. <laughs> and the reality is, I don't know that I was a hundred percent prepared for how quickly I had to call in some um, gentleness in the process because really I knew that coming into this container of energy work with you was going to and what my intention was was to come in and really figure out what it is and find and see the things that were in the way of my highest potential and the the universe God's you know, spirit, whatever you want to identify with was like, here it all is <laughs> all at once. And so, um, that's kind of what really called me into stepping back, um, from a lot of the things that I was doing in my life, you know, in the last five months. And so that really kind of brings me into the question of, you know, what is the void that you talk about? Because before I ever even had the opportunity to come into this, you know, container and begin working with you, I heard you on a few podcasts and talking about this void. And the void was really the one thing that I resonated with most when I heard you explain this. And for me, I actually thought that I had already gone through the void. So I don't know if there's like multiple voids that you can have in your life, but when I really decided to take a step back, I knew that, oh no, this is the real, <laughs> this is it. So can you talk about what that is and are there multiple times in your life where you can go through this? What does that look like? Yeah. So I would say that the void most certainly is not just a one-time thing if you are actually experiencing a void because what you will experience will be varying degrees of um, a, a pause 
or a suspension. I call it the void because it's essentially like you stumbled into a cocoon and you don't know up from down, in from out, right from wrong. All of a sudden, this life that you cultivated and created and thought was what you wanted doesn't necessarily make sense to you anymore. And what is particularly perplexing for high achievers <laughs> is that life is good. Yeah. And so they're like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> I, uh, from the outside looking in, I have what everyone else told me success was. It is what everyone says that they want, right? Like it could be the, the significant other, the kids, the white picket fence, the little dog named Spot, the, the career, the million dollar, you know, eight figure business even. And there's still a part of you. So the, the clear difference between the void and let's say, um, you know, you just desire to uh, hit a certain goal is that you have a desire for more but you don't know what more even freaking means mm -hmm. because you're like, <laughs> what more could I want? And when you hit that place, that is where there are a few of us who know how to navigate because you're being called into something you've never seen before, something you literally cannot imagine with your mind. It requires a very different way of going about um, creating your next level or even just operating and existing in the world. I can say it's been five months for you. I mean, would you say that you are pretty much a completely different person already? Absolutely. A hundred percent. There's no question. And it's amazing because I, I trusted in the guidance. This was one of the scariest, you know, decisions for me because for most of my life, it was this, you know, uh, hard work equals success paradigm and, you know, doing more is what's going to create success. And, you know, by all accounts, I, I did have all of the things and you almost get to a point when you're, you're feeling this calling of like selfishness, where it's like the people in your life are like, what is your problem? Like, you know, you have all of the things, what are you talking about? Like, can't you just be happy? And so I think that the biggest thing that uh, for me, not having any guidance during that time frame would have been, I mean, I don't know that I would have ever been able to release and get to this place of where I am right now without that. And so, you know, what are some of the pitfalls? I'm just curious, like, if you don't have guidance through that process, is that really about like, not really... <sighs> Because I, I remember one time, and I'm kind of bouncing back and forth, but I remember one time that you said to me when, when I was making this decision to step into this void that, you know, this can take as long as you'd like it to take. <laughs> you can surrender to your soul's will. I'll never forget this conversation. And you said, you can surrender to this, or it can take a lifetime or more, <laughs> you know, which do you want? And so what are the pitfalls if you don't have help through this process and also um why does your soul require this space mm. i love that second question but i'm going to start with the first piece of that um 
And I don't want to come off as fear mongering because number one, I believe that we all have sovereignty. And, and in that conversation with you, I was not saying that from a place of wanting you to do either. I am completely detached if you want it to last forever. And trust me, I've worked with people who it's taken them years, literally years, okay? Because they were not willing to surrender to the process. It's not even like a, a quote unquote submitting to me. It's a submission or a surrendering to the process, to your own higher self. I merely just serve as a guide, as someone who has navigated it and regularly navigates it, traverses it with certain people. And also, to be honest, most people are not up for it. That is one of the pitfalls, <laughs> one of the biggest pitfalls. Um, this work is so transformational. It, and as soon as you make the decision, like you were saying before, you weren't totally prepared for how it was actually going to manifest in your life. And depending on how far out of alignment someone is, will determine how that actually manifests in their life, what challenges, what types of challenges pop up. And so the biggest pitfall is someone decides, okay, I'm going to do this. Your higher self is like, yes, you know, your higher self, if you want to say God or your spirit squad, whatever that is for you, literally it begins manifesting and magnetizing to you the opportunities for you to evolve into who you are really called to become. And it does that by showing you all of the areas where you are not yet fully embodying that version of yourself. It's not that you're not that because we, we are everything all the time. It's just that we may not have accepted that about ourselves. And so there are some things that we need to release or integrate so that we can actually become more of that in your everyday life and really allowing that to be expressed in the impact you're making, whether that's through your business or your career or with your family or with your friends or in your community, right? And so the reason why some of us step into the void, number one, I want to make it clear, not everyone goes through a void in their lifetime. In fact, most people will not go through a void in their lifetime, at least in this one. Maybe in another, they will. And part of the reason for that is um, on our soul's evolution. And you can believe this or not. This is all my perspective. Try it on. If you don't like it, throw it away. But in my perspective, because energy is never created or destroyed, we have um, an education process, a soul becoming process. So in certain lifetimes, we really are just here to maybe learn what it means to survive or not. Or maybe we are here to, you know, just work through maybe family stuff, so on and so forth. The ones who I see stepping into voids 
have a very particular type of mm, leadership calling, we, we could say, because it is no longer just about you. Now it is something that is much bigger than you and the role that you're really here, here to play in the, in the kind of grand theater, the grand um, play of things. And so it's not just that you have like an internal want, like a singular internal force that's calling that, it's that actually the co-creation that we're all creating together is like, hey, hey, wake up. Like we need you in this role. We need you to bring this thing through so that all of us can evolve in a certain direction. And so some of us are here as, as custodians or leaders or guardians of certain pathways for humanity. Mm. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And so for me, um, I know that why my soul was calling for that rest was really because, and I shared this in a previous episode that I was in a place of functional burnout. And I really think that people, um, you know, I had slowed down a lot, but for 15 years of my adult life, that's where I was. And I think it's very difficult that for us to, especially those of us who are called to step into a leadership position, to step into a contributory role, you know, it is very difficult for us to be able to do that when we are keeping ourselves busy and distracted. (laughs) And, you know, we're becoming that workaholic or busying ourselves with other things such as social media or, you know, drama, family issues, things like that. Um, it's easy in society to keep yourself very distracted from what it is that your soul is calling. And so it makes a tremendous amount of sense that that was deeply what my soul was yearning for. So how does somebody know that they're being called to this next level? Like, what are some of the signs or the, you know, things that come up in your life for you to be able to recognize that? So there's two sides. Some of them are intangible, some of them are tangible. And what you will notice is that typically they start inside, they start as a more intangible um, sense or knowing or feeling. And the more you don't listen, (laughs) the more you don't listen, the more the stuff starts to go real crazy in your realities that starts showing up in like repeated patterns, trying to show you, hey, (laughs) this right here is not gonna work. So those intangible or um, non-physical signs first will start off kind of just like a, hmm, you probably have known since you were small that you were here for something quote unquote big, right? And it is this innate knowing probably when you were four, five, six, seven, you had that just like knowing and you couldn't explain it, right? It also looks like um, the reason why I work particularly with high achievers, high performers, not to say that someone couldn't come into this knowing, but there also seems to be 
just a, an innate understanding that for certain callings to be able to have a certain level of impact, having your basic needs met is kind of like the foundation or the baseline. And so you will find that these people tend to achieve and perform quite early and accrue those things, right? Like maybe you, you got married young or maybe you, you know, skyrocketed to success fairly young, which left a lot of time and energy and resources for blank. And I'm going to insert that that blank is the revolutionary legacy that you're really here for. But most of the time that requires resource mm-hmm. through money, people, network, right? Yeah. Resources are really important to fuel that. You need fuel. Um, other things that can start popping up, plateaus. So plateaus, um, especially when you're quote unquote doing all the things where you start to notice you're like doing more strategies and still getting the same results, right? Those things aren't working anymore. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm investing more energy. I'm investing more money. I'm investing more time, but I'm not seeing uh, an increase that makes sense. Like it's not uncommon for clients to come and they're like, I've literally done all of the things. My launches, every time I have a launch, it's at half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. Nothing I do. Like I have a bigger audience. I'm, you know, on more stages and I'm still having this experience. Part of it is coming from this, this reason. Mm. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, I I was literally, there's so many. I know, I know. And I love (laughs) listening. And I just, I'm thinking like, yeah, that's just to add to that. Like, that's really where people talk about all the time that, you know, everything is vibration, everything is energy. And, you know, you need to be vibrating at the frequency of what you want. But like, those are all such intangible, you know, concepts, I think. And so this is really in this container and what you're teaching in the world really helps to bring it to that level of being able to understand, okay, this is, this is how it shows up. This is when we know that this is, you know, what's happening. And like you said about the resource piece, you know, and this is a lot of what I teach around the, the money, you know, aspect, the um, money mindset, the energy around money, things like that. You know, I know that I've been all over the map in terms of, I grew up very, very poor and, you know, yeah, when you're, when you don't have resources, what are you concerned about? Right. It's like making money (laughs) that's it because you have to keep yourself afloat. Right. But when you get to that place of being able to create success, And then still, you know, we all think that this is going to make us happy, you know, whatever success, money, the white picket fence, you know, the dog, um, all of that are going to make us very happy when in all reality, it's, it's living our soul's purpose. That's going to do that. Right. And stepping into this, this vibrational piece. And so um, I would love to just hear, so you had kind of mentioned how for those who are listening, if you've had this kind of calling since you were young, I'd love to just um, explore a little bit more about like, did you know um, 
that this was your calling early on? And can you walk us through a little bit about that, um, that story? Yeah. Um, I would say very specifically that I personally didn't know exactly what the calling was. And I, I don't, at least from what I've seen, very few people do know exactly what, how that's going to look. Like if you had told me at eight, nine, oh, you're going to be <laughs> the, the shaman and the um, advisor for entrepreneurs and, you know, supporting heart-centered visionaries in this way. I would not have been able to articulate that or even, I would have looked at you like you was crazy. <laughs> um, but pieces of evidence were definitely there. Like, I look at how much time I spend doing interviews now. And back when I was like 13, I was pulled into doing pageants, which made absolutely no sense actually for my upbringing. Like no one around me was really doing pageants. I did have one friend who was in pageants, but um, for me, the interviews in pageants were what I lived for. I, I lived for them. I got top scores all the time in pageant land. That's what I call it. Um, <laughs> and, and now it is one of the tools that I, that I use every day. Right. So it's funny. I was also talking with my mom because I'm preparing to, you know, write my first book. And I have this list of like, my top 10 things I wanted to be when I grew up and be an author was number one on that list. Wow. I'll have to show it to you. I still have it. Oh my um, gosh. And I was like writing little books for my grandmother and like giving those to her for her birthday. Um, those, those sorts of things. So we all like, mind you, every single child comes with innate gifting. And as a society, we suck at nurturing <laughs> that we put so much focus on like, oh, you're not good at this. We need to get you better at that instead of spending more time just honing on what they already are gifted in. Yeah. But what I'm speaking about is as a child, um, I had a knowing that I was here to be in my perception famous quote unquote famous. And part of me desired that, like the deeper part of me desired that. And now I know why, but the human part of me resisted it because in my mind, I made visibility and fame mean I wouldn't have privacy. Mm. Privacy is like super important to me. Um, I don't post a ton of pictures of like my husband and my son. I am not the person who's just like always sharing what I'm doing. I come out at certain periods of time when the collective kind of could use my insight, <laughs> actually wants my insight. And then the rest of the time I'm pretty, I'm pretty quiet. Um, so I, it's, it's an interesting thing because we will express certain gifting 
but there's something about where you're having resistance and really exploring, wait, why do I have resistance to that? And that's why I, I say, mm, if we look at our society, most of it is upside down mm. because we have people who are in leadership who they don't have resistance to visibility. They don't have that. In fact, they, their ego desires that for validation, worthiness, and blah, 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 blah. And those of us who are actually called <laughs> to that have an innate knowing about the importance of that for us and will resist it. And so it's this interesting paradox of really having to lean into the path of most resistance to get to the path of least resistance. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good way to say that. It's true. It's very true. I know I told my first mentor back probably 10 plus years ago, you know, what my biggest fear was. And it was speaking in front of people like public speaking, which is a lot of people's biggest fear. And then, you know, it's like 10 years later now, you know, it's, it's, it, that's what I primarily do. Right. And so it is really interesting because that's what my soul is calling me for But then there was a lot of inter, inner work that needed to be done, right. To get there. So I love that. So, so you felt like there was this, you know, calling as a child, you didn't know exactly what it was. Um, so how did you end up here doing this deep internal work for, you know, conscious entrepreneurs? Uh, just tell us a little bit about your journey getting to this place. And did it come really naturally to you? How did this actually work? Yeah. You know, I was reflecting on this and came to realize I was basically living multiple lives at the same time. I was living two lives. And this is a common thread I see where we have one aspect of us that's like in the closet and then one aspect of us that, that we kind of present to the world and like that's what the world desires from us and wants us to be. So I came into this world remembering my last life here as an oracle in the temple of now she's known as the goddess Isis. And I was a very weird kid telling my family about you know, my last time here, how to mummify my body, like all of the rites and the processes that they needed to go through. And I also was very um, fabulous as a child, very fabulous. Um, I also had a lot of um, insights with just knowing and understanding the psyche why people were doing the things that they were doing. Like I could just be able to see the root of why the world is the way it is. So I was a very conscious child as a, as a little girl. And that eventually evolved into me. I picked up tarot at 12. I began to actually interact with, first it was my best friend who was murdered when I was 15 years old. And she appeared at the end of my bed. And from that point on, I began having regular interactions with non-physical beings. At first it was, you know, people who were human and then it evolved from there. And all of that was happening simultaneously alongside me being 
a high achieving kid because I grew up very poor in small town, West Virginia, mixed race. My mom was a single teen mom and I was the oldest. And in my perception and the message that I was picking up was that there were a bunch of statistics against me, that I was very likely to be pregnant young, that I was likely to not get an education. And I'm a little bit of a rebel, uh, a rebel on the inside. So I was like, "Uh uh-uh, statistics, (laughs) you ain't getting me. (laughs) And so I had an intellect and I began to put a lot of weight on the intellect. It helped that like, I wasn't perceived as attractive <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> so wait, was, you're gorgeous. Listen, I could not get a date to my senior prom. This is well, real knowing, knowing where, okay, so I'm a couple hours away from like where you grew up. So knowing that area, I can actually say that that, that actually does make sense. Even though in the grand scheme of life, it's like, what? But yes, I I'm familiar with the area. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, now I have a, a fun look at it, but back then I was like, dang, like <laughs> what is happening? But it did give me the opportunity to really develop myself and an, a, a level of assurance in who I am without needing to be accepted without needing to fit in, which now works really, really well. (laughs) But I had this vision, like if I just can be the top of my class, if I can go to college, like eventually my my intention was, okay, I'm gonna be pre-med, I'm gonna become a doctor uh, because I'm smart and what's more prestigious than that? (laughs) Right. It was like that or lawyer and (laughs) law was not gonna be my thing. So, I went about on that trajectory. Those two life timelines that I was experiencing started to converge in my last couple years of college when I had all of these health issues that started manifesting when I was like 16 and they just kept getting worse. So that was like actually a third timeline I didn't mention. (laughs) But around that time, 22, 23, I'm having stage four endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, and a myriad of health problems. I'm in and out of the doctors like nobody's business. And my doctor was like, listen, based off of your history and your family's history, my mom was the worst patient he'd ever had. He was like, you probably only have five more years to be able to to have a child. And it's probably not going to be easy. So I recommend because you're, you know, you and your, at the time he was my fiance, we had been together a while. We seemed pretty stable. He was like, I suggest that you all start trying sooner rather than later. So I immediately got off birth control. It took me over a year to get pregnant, really struggling. I went through all sorts of uh, fertility treatments to try to get pregnant. Ended up having this miraculous conception where I was literally getting ready to be wheeled back into surgery. And they did a pregnancy test and we're like, oh my gosh, we don't have to do this surgery to stimulate your ovaries because you're already pregnant. And I was only like two weeks pregnant. So I went through all that in my pregnancy. I was on bed rest for six months out of my pregnancy because my body 
kept trying to miscarry early. Then when I had him, I ended up in the hospital for five days with postpartum preeclampsia. So I went through it to have this little bundle of boy. Mm-hmm. And I gave birth to him. I only had one semester of, of school left. You know, all I needed to do was like take my MCATs. I had, you know, had the grades, but I just couldn't fathom leaving him. And that for me was a pivotal moment because that was the first time that I really, really chose what was in alignment for me versus what people thought of me. Mm. Now, I always had that to a degree, but this was the first time that I did something that looked real cray to everyone. Cause they were like, wait a minute, you're, you're graduating magna cum laude, like with all the accolades, everything you need to go to med school and become a doctor. And you're saying no. And instead I ended up working at Target. Mm. <laughs> My classmates were at medical school. I'm working in Target. So I decided at that point, you know, I still was having to leave him for quite a bit of time, not like medical school, but still 40 hours a week, he was in daycare. That didn't feel in alignment for me. And so I ended up quitting and going into direct sales. Like I got my kit, put in my two weeks notice. I was like, I'm all in on this. And although I almost failed after 90 days, I like just dug in. And within nine months, I was in the top 2%. Um, of that company. So that brought me to the void, the (laughs) face of the void, because here I am at this point, I'm like 24, 23, 24. I have the tall, dark, and handsome husband, (laughs) this beautiful baby. I have a house, a decent car, and I'm at the top of this company where I'm getting to walk on stage. I'm getting flued out. They're (laughs) flying me to Vegas for free and designer handbags and cash bonuses and all of that that goes with it. And I should have been very happy. And actually I enjoyed what I was doing and I loved my family, but I knew there was more. I was like, this can't be it. This, this can't be. So I just started at that point asking different questions of the universe. And I want to invite anyone who's listening to start asking these questions, because when you ask the universe the right type of questions, it will deliver you to the answers. It will guide you to those answers if you just pay attention and are aware. I started asking, who am I here to be? Who am I? And what is my highest calling? Mm. What is my highest calling? And what happened at that point, insane synchronicities started to pop up. I was guided to enter into initiation, an initiation process. And when I say I was guided, not like it came from my brain, but literally manifestations appeared in reality that took me to the doorstep of initiation. All I had to do is be brave enough to 
put my foot there. And that led me into a five year long process. And I did not know, number one, I didn't know how long it was gonna take. Number two, I didn't know what was gonna be at the end of it. I didn't even know, like, everyone's like, why are you doing this? I don't know. To become my best self, I guess. Wow. And for most people to invest the amount of money, the amount of time, the amount of energy that I was investing in that process without any promise of getting something. See, that's the difference right there. That's where you step into self-transcendence because it's not about like, I'm going to do this program to get a million dollar business. Mm-hmm. or I'm going to do this initiation to become a shaman. No, I had no idea that that was happening. When you approach from that lens, when you approach from that paradigm, that's when you get to step into literally the unimaginable, the impossible, the things your mind can't even fathom mm-hmm. are possible for you. Like in Voxer yesterday, one of our um, top level clients messaged me because last week we set the intention that she would manifest Super Bowl tickets. This is like three, four days before the Super Bowl. Oh my God. Literally not even in her mind that it could happen. And she was at the Super Bowl. Stop. (laughs) That is so cool. She was at the freaking Super Bowl. But the difference is, is that she was, because she wasn't attached to having those Super Bowl tickets by Super Bowl, by that Super Bowl, she's just like, I want to go to one someday. Wow. It was able to come in. And that is literally how I now live my life. I don't know for sure what is going to happen in two years, five years, 10 years. I don't have a freaking 10 year plan. I just have a pathway that I'm going down. And I'm also surrendered to that pathway shifting because I know when I come from a certain paradigm and I'm choosing to operate a certain way, which is an entire deconditioning process. You have to learn how to be different with reality then serious magic starts to happen. And I mean magic, not like a fantastical thinking, but real life in (laughs) 3D-ish happening. (laughs) Yeah, I can second that because the surrender, and it is like, I kind of likened it to the whole caterpillar going into the cocoon type of analogy that you've used. And that's really what that, the last five months felt like for me, but I know that going into that unknown, it's like, that's what allows for this new pathway to create because, you know, our mind obviously works on what's happened in the past. And we use that as a reference, which in a lot of cases that serves us very well. Yes. Don't touch the burning stove, you know, don't go down the dark alleyway by yourself. You know, all of those things are going to be uh, very useful for us. But the reality is when we're obviously creating what we desire in the world, it really is 
like you said, sometimes just completely unknown, you know, and, and we cannot create it from the past. So we have to be able to surrender. And I think in a world where we, you know, struggle with this, this control and wanting to control. And I know I've shared this with you in the past that my husband at one point even said to me, you know, when I first kind of came into this world, he goes, you're using manifestation, even me, you know, I'm using manifestation to, as a way to predict the future and as a way to control what's going to happen. But that's again, creating from this limited confine of a, you know, the human experience that I've lived to this point. So it's just such a powerful, you know, ability to be able to, to step in and create from, from this unknown. Cause the reality is we don't actually know, you know, I have a dear friend of mine who just lost her husband, right. Unexpectedly. Um, we don't know, you know, we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow, the next day, you know, we don't know. And so it's holding on to all of this control of trying to control the outcomes and the future and all of those things, it really is just robbing us from the joy that we can experience today. And from that place is really where I believe that we create, right? So I think it's huge. And that kind of leads into a question that I wanted to ask. So if someone is because this is all about, like I've rebranded the podcast. Um, I'm talking a, a lot more about living this soul powered life, this soul led life, allowing your intuition to guide the way, you know? And I think that you are a amazing example of how to be able to do that and surrender into that. Um, can you share with our listeners if they are really kind of getting started on this journey? of tapping into their intuition, really being able to even um, understand the different voices, right? Because the ego's there, the, the intuition's there. Um, and we're not taught this information right early on. Um, what, do you, what would you say are like the, the most important steps or the first steps for someone who wants to begin living this soul-led life and really allow their soul to guide the way? Yeah, for me, in my perspective, the very first quote unquote step. And damn, do we love some steps? Yeah. We're like, Oh, what is step one? And then step two and then step three. Let me tell you, it is all happening at the same time. Okay. It's not, um, like, Oh, you do this and then you do this. It's no, while you're doing this, this other piece is happening. So one of those pillars is the expansion of your consciousness or the expansion of your awareness, but that's of self. So we have woke culture. Um, I was part of woke culture, by the way, that's typically what happens. Like you all of a sudden wake up from the matrix, you step into I'm woke. And most of us project that outwards mm -hmm. of, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I can see everything that's wrong with our government. I can see everything that's wrong with how we structure race and gender and the education system and blah, blah. we get very activist-y. Um, <laughs> judgments. Yes. We talk all about judgments, right? We definitely do. And that new level of awareness, if we turn it inward, I love, this is where my energetics of euphoria process starts to come in. And by the way, it's actually evolving. So be on the lookout because it's evolving. Um, but essentially what this is doing is allowing you to understand as above, 
so below, as within, so without, in a very real, tangible way. So if we're using an example of, I develop a, a consciousness, an awareness about what's wrong with the education system, right? I gave an example of our education system right now focuses more on your what's not right with you, what's wrong with you, you know, how you need to improve in those areas versus expanding what is right with a student. So the energetics of euphoria process, which is a process really of expanding consciousness, allows you the opportunity to turn that inward and say, well, how did that affect me? How am I affecting it? How am I operating in the world from that lens where I'm looking at everything that's wrong with people and how they need to improve versus how can I see them expand? How can I view them through a lens that is expanded in the magic and the gifts that they do bring? Mm. Right? So it's understanding that everything we can see outside of us also exists within us and everything affecting us, we are also affecting it. Mm. So if we really start grasping that, then we start to see, okay, that's how I create change. It's not necessarily going to be as effective to go and fight the education system, especially you all by your lonesome. But if you start operating different, if you start operating from this new paradigm, that actually is what creates change in the world. Mm. So the expansion of your awareness, not just your awareness of what's outside, but how that's affected you on the inside and how you are behaving, how you are thinking, feeling, perceiving the world as a result of borrowing those ways of being is very, very impactful. I realized the reason why this is transforming is because I had the perception that the work that I was doing with people was identity work, which is on the level of the ego. And I realized actually what we're doing is even is the deepest level that you can go which is the consciousness behind your identity. Even being able to see who you're being in the world is the greatest freaking superpower. <laughs> yeah. And it takes a lot of courage. Like, so- this is like hard. It sounds like, oh yeah, yeah, just look at you. No, that shit is hard. You're like, wait, what? I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not showing up as this, you know, uh, person that I thought that I was the whole time. I mean, man, does that hurt the ego when you have to start looking inward. But again, that's the key to really being able to step into that transcendence. So I love that because it's not easy. (laughs) It ain't always fun. It isn't always fun, but it's so freaking liberating. Oh my God. It's oh my God. Like, wait a minute. I don't have to be perfect all the time. Yeah. I can accept that I am messing up. Oh, I can actually create in the world mm-hmm. without being attached and terrified yeah. all the freaking time. It's true freedom. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's it so is. Good. 
still being able to love yourself, still being able to fully see yourself and allow and accept that love from other people, knowing that you're not perfect. Right. I, I love that. Cause I know so many people that they struggle with that perfectionism. That's what we're conditioned to do, but the reality is, yeah. I mean, to be able to release those attachments and those expectations is incredibly liberating and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, you know, way to live. Right. So what would you say, like someone who is stepping into and I know I want to be mindful of your time as well, but I just have a couple more questions around this soul powered and this, you know, so um, we were talking about Dharma, right? And this, this soul's, uh, your soul's kind of path in the world. What does that really unlock for someone when they begin to step into this? Because I know we've talked about the challenges and all the introspection that you need to do. And, you know, some people may think, hey, that's a lot of work to do, but for what, what am I going to get out of this? <laughs> you know, and again, that may or may not be the right for paradigm to be operating from, but, you know, just so we can see what are the benefits of really stepping into that, that Dharma and that soul's path? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I can't say that it's like the wrong paradigm because for some people that paradigm is just the medicine that brings them to it and and they shed it over time um although some people also never shed that and that is their work in this life it's fine but um when you are in alignment with your dharma dharma i'm going to just use the generic word purpose but i want people to be really mindful that purpose is not what you're here to do. Purpose is not like, I'm here to be a doctor. Doctor is the vehicle. That role is just a vehicle for me to play out my dharma. There can be people with different types of dharma doing the same role and it expresses different. Mm. So Stepping into your dharma allows, number one, a very high level of freedom. Because when you are in alignment with your dharma, when you're in alignment with your purpose, number one, it starts to make very clear everything that's misaligned for you. You just now have to have the courage to say no to those things. But every time you say no to those things, you're saying yes to the things that are in alignment for you. And those things can look like incredible things. Like I gave an, a magical example, which was Super Bowl tickets. Um, <laughs> it could look like um, a quantum leap in your business, as one example. It can look like um, the most insane, for me, it's been the most insane people coming into my life and opportunities. Like some of the people who I'm texting regularly, have like millions of followers and are some of the most well-known people period and I'm like how it doesn't even make logical sense that the two of us would come into connection with each other doesn't make sense especially because me over here, you know, I've got like 13,000 followers right now. And it's wonderful. Um, the also incredible opportunities. So I call this like, when you're in alignment with your Dharma, you get to cut to the front of the line. You get to cut to the front of the line because 
Number one, it's like this spot that was reserved for you that was literally just waiting for you because only you could fill it. Mm. No one else can fill that, by the way. Your dharma is only yours. No one else can pick it up. So one in three trillion chance you would exist. No one else can pick up your dharma. So once you get in alignment with that, it's like you get this in the hero's journey, they call it the boon. It's like this boon of abundance. All of a sudden it's like you begin to access abundance in all its forms. That can look like, you know, if you're a person who has maybe built a successful business, but maybe your relationships are falling apart or maybe your health is trash, right? Or maybe your, your mental game is a hot mess. You now get to experience abundance in all the areas. Abundance is not just money. Yeah. Abundance is the, some of the smaller things, right? Like I threw away half of my plate this morning because the, I had like green peppers and they weren't good. (laughs) Like they just been in my fridge a little too long and I threw them away. And I had a moment of just like to reality, this is abundance because there are, there are people in this world right now who would have needed to eat that to survive. Right. So it's the people, it's the, the connection. It's also my favorite, the, the legacy, like the impact that you're really here to make that only you can make because of the experiences that you've had. Mm, I and love that. You just begin magnetizing the right people, the right events, the right experiences. And the only thing that's key here, because we talked about the void and it can make it sound like, oh, well, once you get through the void, you're done. <laughs> Yes, I made it through. No, (laughs) because now, now it's about keeping you in alignment with that because we do still have egos and we have to know how to navigate that. And so that has always been the role of an oracle of certain types of spiritual advisors, especially for leaders. Um, We serve in that role because we can see that which is unseen. Mm. Those aspects, those, those little nuances that are having an effect that when you know how to navigate those, you can stay in alignment and, and be at your greatest capacity. Mm, I love that. And I, I even shared in the group yesterday too. I'm like, I'm going to be working with Mikosi for life. So, you know, cause I don't, I mean, honestly, and it's not from this disempowered place. It's, I know that I can move through my life and I have the tools in my tool belt and I use them and I'm incredibly self-aware, but having someone who can really be able to navigate this with you. And then also the, the community and the container of other women, like who hold space for you in these you know, incredible, you know, very successful women who are here holding space. It's like, it's just unlike anything that I've been able to experience before. And I'm like, I'll be here. I'll be here for life. You know, I'm just manifesting that, putting that out into the universe. Um, So I know someone will ask, okay, so I just want to clarify, does everyone have a Dharma? 
Yes. Okay. The answer to that is absolutely yes. Everyone has a Dharma. Everyone has a, a calling, but it's again, understanding that your Dharma. So I, I said, it's not what you're here to do. I forgot to mention that it's who you're here to be. Mm. It's who you're here to be authentically. So understand when I'm saying authentically, a lot of people think that they're being authentic because they're like, oh, like, this is really what I think, so on and so forth. Not understanding that they pick that up from somewhere, from their mom, from their school, from blah, blah, blah. And we think that that's us. Yeah. And so it requires a level of courage and curiosity to explore. Wait a minute. Is that actually me? Mm. or is it not? (laughs) Yeah. And when you start unpacking that stuff, the, yes, there's the challenge to it, but also your Dharma or really the abundance that comes, it is attached to you being who you're here to be. Mm. That's the piece. Like Everyone's like, just give me the strategy. Just give me the tactic to get the thing. (laughs) And the answer to that is authenticity. Like, you know, I mentioned as a little girl that I was very fabulous. For a very long time, I judged my fabulosity Mm. because I wanted to be seen as intelligent because I wanted people to value my mind. I perceived my, my jewelry, my, my great ass <laughs> um, <laughs> as barriers mm. to that. And so for a long time, I uglied it up. Yeah. Like first I was like, oh, my, my looks don't matter because obviously I can't get attention anyway. So I'm just going to, ugly it up. Then I, then I went to HBCU and started getting all sorts of attention. And so I started uglying it up. And this is why it's really important. We don't judge because we don't know from an external expression where that's coming from. Hmm. Someone could be literally like their authentic expression could be that they literally don't have a whole lot of care about how they express themselves through their clothes, makeup, or lack thereof, so on and so forth. But some of us, like, that is our authentic expression. And it's only when we allow ourselves to truly be ourselves that that gifting begins to magnetize what is for you. Mm. Yeah, and that goes back to the resistance piece too, which is, you know, because I, I have shared this as well, that I did the same thing. I would purposefully make myself look uglier <laughs> so that I didn't, you know, somehow steal other people's light or whatever it is that I thought was happening in that process. And it's like, it, it's an, a journey of unbecoming all of the things that, you know, we have been, you know, wronged ourselves about in the past and really starting to step into who it is that we're really being called to, to step into. Um, so I have one last question for you uh, in regards to this topic. So I know that I talk a lot about wealth uh, as a you know financial advisor, deal a lot with money. 
is it okay to be both spiritual and incredibly wealthy? Because I know there's this stigma around being a martyr. And I know I grew up with that belief of like, you know, money is the root of all evil and all these other things. Um, So can you just talk on that really, really quickly for our listeners? Yeah. In my perspective, money is a multiplier, a magnifier, right? And so whoever you are, having money or even not having it can magnify Mm. who you are. So your relationship to money, to the energy of money rather, is extremely important to your role here. One of the principles of the universe, very well understood shamanic principle that for some reason, I don't know, people don't be talking about it, (laughs) um, is energetic exchange. It is a law of the universe that number one, there is no empty space. And that to maintain harmony, energy is never created or destroyed. It only transforms, right? So if you understand that in multiple contexts, right? In order to create a certain result in reality, you are going to need to invest energy in some form and transmute that, alchemize it, transform it to create X result. Money is just one of those ways in which we can use energy. We can do it through our time. Uh, We can do it through our focus. We can do things through our connections, like our networks. We can do it through knowledge, utilizing knowledge, so on and so forth. Money is just one of those tools. So to answer your question, for some of us, our calling is to be rich AF because what we are here to create in the world requires resources. Mm. It requires that you have a certain level of independence. And I mean, Independence, not in the way of you don't need nobody, (laughs) but I mean that you are not in a codependent relationship with other people, with your bank account. It means that your sense of safety, well-being, security, so on and so forth, isn't reliant on something external. Mm. And it's only from that place that now we get to make conscious choices that aren't coming out of trauma, basically, that aren't coming out of, you know, um, I don't want to steal somebody else's light. So I'm going to ugly myself up ways of being because that has (laughs) a certain karmic effect. (laughs) And I personally, when I look at the revolution that's happening, the revolution that's coming in the way that human beings operate over the next 50 to 250-ish years, 
we're at the kind of catalytic point of that. And it's going to require that some of us come with bags in hand to fuel, to be able to pay, you know, to pay, excuse me, to pay our fellow um, soul beings for their genius, to be able to, you know, put money behind the types of foods that we want to see, the type of education systems that we want to see behind the, the kind of leadership that we want to see requires change. Mm. Like change in two forms, Cha-ching! change. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it can be a very spiritual experience to allow yourself to receive money but it also doesn't mean you have to have money to be spiritual. I also see that happening um, mm-hmm. as well. And I, you know, just want to be clear yeah. that your, your sense of connection to spirit is not dependent on how much money is in your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to just address that, you know, again, for people who have grown up in certain religious backgrounds, things like that, it's, it's just something to consider that again, you know, and I've heard you use this expression where the entrepreneurs are the new Royals, which is, you know, part of what you, your messaging is. And it really is because, you know, when we have financial resources, we hold a level of power, right? And if we want to change the world and we want to be able to, you know, be more conscious, we have to have some of that, right? So instead of demonizing it, we can, um, just understand that there is a level of abundance that we can definitely go after and use it for, you know, conscious purposes. So I love that. Um, I thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. I've had so much fun talking with you, chatting with you and working with you over the last five months and beyond. We're going to, like I said, um, you're stuck with me, uh, probably forever. No, (laughs) (laughs) well, as long as you are down for the ride, because I cannot guarantee that a year from now, it's going to look exactly the same, right? It's going to continue to evolve. But one thing I can always promise is that the evolution is happening from deep observation of who's showing up, how they're showing up, why they're showing up, um, and that we, we're going to be moving in, in the direction of greatest service in a, in a real way, mm. in a real way, not from a place of like, oh, I just need to feel good about myself because I, I, be, um, I can be disliked. It's fine. Um, (laughs) but I also want to say too, before we hop off here, because I don't know, Rebecca, you've been an incredible example of what it looks like to embrace the surrender, not knowing so many people really do freak out when, you know, all of a sudden what's actually being called of them is to sit and be still for a little period of time. And I can't, I can never tell someone like, it's going to be three months. It's going to be six months. It's going to be nine months. I don't know for sure because lots of factors come into play, but what I do know and what I've seen again and again and again is that when people do show up like you did, like surrendered to the process, 
of like, this is uncomfortable. I can't say that I'm loving it right now. However, I'm here and I'm in it and I'm embracing it and accepting it and staying excited for whatever is to come. That is the mentality that just creates so much epicness. And I know from how many times I've seen it, you're on the cusp of some, some really unimaginable creative expression and impact in the world. Mm, thank you. I received that and I feel that a hundred percent. I feel like something amazing is being birthed through. So I can't thank you enough for your leadership through all of this, your guidance and all of that. So, um, I just want to make sure that people can find you. So for those listeners who want to follow your work, want to reach out to you, want to potentially work with you or start to kind of follow your journey a bit, where can they find you um, online? Yeah. So the best place right now is on the Instagrams at the Royal Shaman or my website, which is uh, the Royal Shaman.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Do you have any last thoughts before we hop off? Um, the only thing that's just really coming, coming up for me is this concept and understanding that there are a lot of people who have vision, a lot of people who have vision, who can see a better future, but, uh, the few who are called to make that a revolutionary legacy, to really bring that from the intangible into a grounded real life change in the world, the time is now. Mm -hmm. And I know that so many of us in this, in the spiritual space, talk about waiting for divine timing. And you have to understand that you are in a, a co-creation. You're in a relationship with reality and you have to show up first. Mm -hmm. You show up first, the universe will, will answer you, but if you never commit to being that highest version of yourself, it will never be. Mm. I love that. And I got full body chills when you said that, because I was meditating the other day and the phrase that came through is that the time is now. So thank you for that affirmation and that confirmation. I appreciate you again. Thank you so much for your time. I know my, our listeners are going to have such awesome feedback. If you guys uh, received any value from today, please go ahead and screenshot the episode. Tag us both on social media at The Royal Shaman and at Rebecca underscore Kiger. And I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. Again, thank you so much, Makosi. And I will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, Soul Family, thank you so much for tuning in to the entire episode today. I know your most valuable asset is your time, and so I thank you for spending time with me each and every episode. I appreciate you, and because of that, I love to hear what resonates most with you about our conversations. So please connect with me on social media if you're not already 
and share your biggest takeaways. I love to hear it. It helps me to keep the good stuff coming. And it also allows for me to know that the work that I'm putting out there in the world resonates and that you are stepping one step closer to your soul powered life as a result of our time together. So thank you again. Can't wait to see you in the next episode and we'll talk soon. Bye.